Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for, so you can hire the right person fast. Find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. Get $50 off your first job post at LinkedIn.com slash fool. It's Thursday, November 14th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. As mentioned earlier in the week, we're at Foolapalooza, which is our annual meeting. But I'm happy to say I was able to record this earlier in the week with the host of Motley Fool Money, the number one business show in Australia. It's the one and only Scott Phillips. Chris Hill, good day. So good to see you, my friend. Thank you, sir. It's very good to be with you. Pleasure to have you in the studio. And uh, and yes, for those unfamiliar or those who are new to this podcast, yes, we have Motley Fool Money here in the States. There is also Motley Fool Money in Australia, which Scott is the host of. And if you're not listening to it, you really should check it out. So um, let's let's start with let's start with this um, because one of the things that you do on your show is. Uh, Check in on sort of the the view from down under mm-hmm. on some of the biggest uh, companies here in the states, and I'm curious um, what you think of the current state of some of the tech behemoths, in particular Apple, Alphabet, Microsoft. Go in any order you want. Yeah, nice, Chris. Look, I you know I am in telling our investors at home to be investing in these businesses, in the companies that are. I use the phrase "inventing the future." Which sounds like a wonderful marketing tagline that someone should be using, but they literally are. You know, the businesses that are literally changing the way we do what we do, the way we consume entertainment, the way we work, the way we live. These are the businesses that are literally creating the products and services of the future. And so you've got to be investing in these kind of companies. Now, all of that said, tech is a really fascinating space and time right now. We've seen Apple just hit high after high after high. Um, it's a really interesting time to think about what comes next. Disney Plus, of course, having having launched just recently. So much movement in tech. I have to say, for what it's worth, as a group, I am incredibly bullish on the long-term future of these companies. Uh, individually, I think there's a whole lot of questions yet to be answered and a whole lot yet to play out. It's pretty amazing when you think about the narrative, particularly around hardware. Yeah. For so long, for decades, it was as simple as, well, the cost comes down over time. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and we've seen that with uh, certainly with televisions. You know, a flat screen TV a, a, with a wonderful uh, you know uh, high def and all that. Mm. You know, that's going to cost you less in real dollars than it would a decade ago. But Apple and their ability. To continue to command premium prices for their products is really astounding. It is. And Warren Buffett said very nicely, and I won't quote him directly, the idea that the phone screen is the most valuable real estate in the world continues to be true. If you think about, you know, yes, they're incredibly expensive devices, but think about how many hours a day, quite literally, we spend with our eyes looking 12 or 8 inches from our, face, from our, from our bodies, looking at the phone in our hand to see what's going on, emails, social media, appointments, entertainment, web browsing, the lot. It is literally the new device. And when you go back to those tech companies, I think this is the really interesting part is, where does connected uh, technology, broadly, Go. Um, Anirban Mahanti, I work with on Motley Fool Money in Australia. He talks about the human computer interface, that entire thing. I, I've seen, I watched a little bit of television. I've checked in, checked on some American football while I've been here. The number of ads I've seen for the Google Nest, the Facebook portal, 
hopefully it won't last very long. Uh, you've talked about that before. Uh, you know, we are, we, you know, the wearables revolution. This is going to continue to be huge. Um, plenty of ads for Alexa, the whole lot. This is this this is very much the new frontier. And past that, as I said, the wearables technology, how that moves forward. This is what a long, long way to play out. I, I'm really bullish about, you know, the, 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 the hardware and software makers, the, the revolution coming there and continuing to come, whether it's Google Glass, whether it's Apple Watch, whether it's, frankly, something none of us have thought of, but in the lab, somewhere in those companies, they are spending a fortune and a lot of people working on those things. You don't have to know what's coming next, but it's a very, very good bet. These guys will either invent it or they'll buy it. Either way, if you're a shareholder, you're going to win. I know that broadcast television has been, as an industry, in decline over the last couple of decades, as streaming services like Netflix, Hulu, etc., are on the rise. That said, I'm glad you mentioned the television ads while you were watching the football game, because I find television ads to be instructive in the sense that they cost a lot of money, and I think it is an excellent window into what a company decides to promote and the message they decide to push, because in the same way as Buffett said, the phone screen is the most valuable real estate. If you've got time to make a 30-second television ad, you have to be very intentional about what you're going to promote, what the message is going to be. Uh, I'm curious, television in Australia, are you like are these big tech companies doing similar? Advertisements down there. So what's fascinating is Amazon is massive here. I'm an Amazon shareholder for full disclosure. I'm also an Alphabet shareholder. The the Alexa hasn't gone anywhere near dominating the Australian market the way it has here because Amazon itself isn't very big yet in Australia, and so it's all Google Home all the time. Google has made a massive, massive march. So whether it's the Mini, the Max, the you know all of those new devices, that that remains a really strong place. In terms of television, look, they are struggling. Meaningfully for advertising dollars and viewing numbers, and the Australian economy is softer than the U.S. economy. You guys are are doing very very well in absolute terms, but also relatively compared to Australia, that's a that's a tough ad market for for TV. So live sport, and back to your point about sport, live sport is is really the only thing left going for live television in Australia. It's live TV and reality TV, and I imagine it's probably the same in, in the U.S. Outside that. What do they have that you can't get on Netflix? You can't get on. There's some streaming services locally in Australia as well. Um, Disney Plus, Apple TV Plus, they are going to be the new way of consuming non temporal entertainment. So the idea of not actually live at the time, that's where, it's, that's where it's at. Live TV thus far is all about sport. And thus far, the TV stations are hanging on to that you know, for, for grim life because if they lose that, they're in trouble. What is the tech scene in Australia these days? Really fascinating. So we don't, we haven't had a lot of tech for a long time. We've kind of caught the second wave. Australian tech was a no man's land. It feels a bit harsh, it probably is, but relative to what's happening in the US and most of the rest of the world, we haven't had a lot. Two really big things that are changing the tech space in Australia, and some of that's come over to America already. Buy now, pay later. I'm not sure how big that is in in the US now. The idea of the old fashioned for those. Older listeners, like uh, people older than you and I, Chris, we're young men. Uh, we'll remember lay-by when you go and you put some money down, you got to pick up your product in you know two or three months after you paid it off. Buy now, pay later is the reverse of that, and Afterpay is the company that's really leading that. Kim Kardashian's jumped on that here. I know um, it has just taken the Australian retail landscape by storm. Um, young people in particular seem to all have it. Almost every decent retailer of any size offers this buy now, pay later idea, where rather than handing over your cash or, or putting your credit card or debit card over the counter. You're saying, look, I'll pay it off in four installments over four weeks. Now, 
uh, JMO talks about the war on cash. This is this is absolutely war on cash territory. Another way to pay, often for those people who don't have credit cards, can't get credit cards, are younger, and have a different way to pay. Buy the pair of jeans now, paid off over four or six weeks. That's that's really big. The other thing that's changing is what we call financial technology platforms. So the ability to take management of people's money for a fund manager, for a bank, um, a lot of Australian tech innovators are taking over that space. So the businesses that are basically, you know, take the, the big banks in Australia own the entire financial relationship with almost everybody. And they are disrupting that really meaningfully. So two relatively niche areas, but they're really big business for Australia. We've got some really successful multi-billion dollar companies, and that's small in the US. In Australia, that's, that's big. Uh, there are some really meaningful changes in those two technology spaces. To what extent, if any, does the trade war before between the US and China impact investing in Australia? Yeah, we don't yet know, but it's scary. So the first thing is, to the extent it impacts global growth, global economic activity, that's a big deal. We are reliant, two of our biggest trading partners, funnily enough, China and the US. So to the extent, look, if, if it remains just between China and the US, everyone else is okay, we're fine. China is Australia's largest purchaser of raw materials, so minerals, and we sell a lot of iron ore to China. If that slows down, that hurts the Australian investor, it hurts the Australian economy, hurts the Australian federal budget position. So, really, really big deal there. And for consumption products, America is our biggest consumer, our biggest export partner. So, again, same thing. If the US economy slows down, there are some direct and indirect impacts that really the old the old line in Australia used to be, and still is to some degree. If America sneezes, Australia catches a cold, and and that remains probably more so now. If Australia or America or China sneeze, then we're in trouble. So we're kind of pretty worried if it does become a bigger deal, either directly or indirectly. We've got a lot of pain to feel if it, if it goes badly. And Australia's economy is not in such a good position right now. We can afford that external shock. Quick shout out to LinkedIn when it comes to finding candidates that are truly meant for your business. Urgency can be your enemy, and that's why LinkedIn is the best place to post your job. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for, things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. Visit linkedin.com slash fool and get $50 off your first job post. Again, that's linkedin.com slash fool. Terms and conditions apply. Before we wrap up, mm. uh, you mentioned Afterpay. Um, what is another stock for any U.S. investor who's thinking about exploring investment opportunities in Australia? What is a stock they should put on their watch list? Chris, I thought I'd have one that made some sense to you, made some sense to our conversation. I know you're on a beer, man. You're a whiskey man. I'm not a beer man, but I appreciate the investment opportunities that beer presents. Could I interest you in a, a wine tipple, potentially? <laughs> Absolutely. Excellent. There we go. So now we've got some common ground, and I'll throw China into the mix. There is an Australian company known as Treasury Wine Estates. Uh, Treasury Wine Estates sells some really high-quality Australian, French, and American wines right around the world, but particularly with the big growth now is going into China. Now, if you still believe, as I do, that over the long term, China is a huge consumer market opportunity, and the growth that they're selling, Australian wine into China is growing about 20% per annum in volume terms, and another 20% per annum in price terms. So, Chinese consumers- Those are, those are nice trends. They're nice numbers, right? So, Chinese <laughs> consumers are drinking more wine, but more importantly, more premium wine, and people like Treasury Wine Estates are getting higher and higher prices for that wine, because it's a 
we know this is a massive market, 1.3 billion people on it last count. If you can get just a few of those to want to buy some of the more expensive wines, because there are more millionaires in China than in the rest of the world, you start to think it's a pretty attractive market to sell premium kind of reputation products, right? So the ones you want to be seen consuming, uh, whiskey is one of those, of course, wine is another one. And some of the best uh, French, American, and particularly Australian wines into China, I think is a huge, huge long-term opportunity. Bumps on the way, absolutely. Trade wars, trade embargoes. There'll be issues around importation. That'll that'll come and go. So, for a relatively safe, normal kind of average, you know, I think this is a, a food consumption stock, and it is. It'll be bumpy because of those issues, but the long-term trends are fantastic. So, Treasury Wine Estates. If you're on the ASX, the code is TWE. So, those with international brokerage accounts, Treasury, I think, is, is going to be a really, really good long-term play. Now, historically, when you have come to full headquarters here in Virginia from Sydney, you've been kind enough to make the trip with a couple of boxes of Tim Tams, delicious cookie. Any chance you brought a little something from Treasury Wine Estates along with you this time? I didn't, Chris, but I can. <laughs> Although, later on this afternoon, we are going to open a new bag of thing called Tim Tam Bites. You want to be there for that? I will be there for that. Uh, check out the Motley Fool Money Australia podcast. I'm going to include a, a link, a couple of links in the description of this show. Um, it's a fabulous show. It is uh, on my regular list every week, and um, uh, I love listening to you and Arabon. So, uh, so thanks. I, I appreciate you making the trip. I know you're busy as as can be when you're here, so I appreciate you coming to the studio. Matt, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.